Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. So this is the, um, I think, the fourth class in this structured study of the Taragatha and the Taragatha, the um, preserved poems of the uh, ancient monks and nuns from the original Sangha. And they're just brilliant, um, little profound snippets of the Dhamma. And this is just part of the introduction. In this poem, the awakened monk Damika shows the importance of a well-practiced and authentic Dhamma practice and the protection from worldly entanglements provided. So one of the things that the Buddha left his the palace grounds behind, he did so good making it through meditation. Come here, puppy. Come here. Come here, pups. Come here. Come over here. Come right over here. Right over here. Bad dog. Lay down. Come on. Good boy. <laughs> Go ahead. Lay down. Sorry about that. Um, what was I saying? Free from worldly entanglements or yes. protection from worldly entanglements. Thank you. At least one of you was listening. <laughs> no. Uh, Bodhi, stop. Come on, Bodhi. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. There's nothing going on out there. You did your job. Take the rest of the day off. Um, what was that? It was a point I was going to make. I can't remember what it was. Oh, protection from worldly entanglements. The uh, it, it implies, and it's the reason why the Buddha left the palace grounds was to it was seeking an understanding if it was possible to do just that. He didn't quite understand what he was seeking. But in the end, he resolved it was, yes, the issue, my issue, meaning himself, his problem up until that point of awakening was because of a lack of understanding who he was and a lack of understanding of the world he lived in, he, create, he became entangled in the world. And so he realized that in order to not spend the rest of his life entangled in the world and continually creating the conditions for stress in his mind, he developed and employed the Eightfold Path, and then that's what he taught others to do within the framework of the path, just that. Protection from worldly entanglements. Damika, pure protection. Damika's words. The Buddha's Dhamma protects those who integrate his Dhamma. Makes sense, but it doesn't do much to protect those who don't. In other words, it's not salvation and it's not faith-based for those who integrate his dhamma, not just for those who follow him or believe in him. And this was, that might be one of the most powerful lines in all of the dhamma in relation to the Buddhist time, because everybody else, as today, were teaching salvation in one form or another. He was saying, no, you must integrate this dhamma. you got to practice it. He continues by saying the Buddha's Dhamma, well-practiced, brings peace and freedom. So he's defining right off the top what he got out of it, received out, excuse my English, 
which in its most simplistic but most profound form is why everyone else during his time and ours is engaged in some type of so-called spiritual practice. Because we want that peace and freedom. We just don't understand how to get it. And for most of us, we don't even realize that what we're actually seeking is freedom by developing a conflict-free mind. In other words, most spiritual seekers are hoping to establish the ongoing conditions, a stagnant state, just because of who they are, that would establish the protection that the Buddha teaches we can, get, we can establish through understanding, not through any outside agency, which again the Buddha teaches is foolish. The Buddha's Dhamma well practiced brings peace and freedom. The rewards are obvious from a well, and then he tells us, what are they? From a well practiced Dhamma, what I think to me is one of my most favorite little snippets what is to be is what is here. What is to be is what is here. It's not an accident. It's not by happenstance. It's not chaotic. And it's not personal. What is to be is what is here. That one line informs the radical acceptance of an awakened human being. What is to be is what is here. In this moment, nothing else can be any different than it is. How do I know that? How can I be so wise as to say, make such a bold statement and be absolutely sure about it? Because it's here. <laughs> it actually doesn't take a lot of wisdom or great mental powers. All I have to do is look out on the world, what's around me in an impersonal way, and yeah, here it is. I don't need it to be any different. I don't need you to be any different. I don't need the conditions of my life to be any different. I don't need any worldly condition to be any different. And how do I arrive at that? How do I arrive at that? How do I get to that point where I can simply be present with that, with what is to be is what is here. This Dhamma brings peace. Ignorance brings suffering. So generate skillful desire for developing the Dhamma. Rejoice in the great teacher standing firm. Again, why is he saying that? Because all of the other teachers did not stand firm. They all devolved into salvation. And Damika is saying, this one, he stood firm. This one is foremost in understanding. This one's disciples are awakened. To the foremost refuge, <laughs> whose disciples are awakened to the foremost refuge. The root of the boil is burst. The boil of ongoing eye-making. I love that. The net of craving destroyed. The net of craving. We're caught up in this net of craving. The rightly self-awakened one wanders no more. And remember, the Buddha taught us to become rightly self-awakened exactly as he, as he had. The rightly self-awakened one wanders no more. It's in reference to spending our lives wandering around in samsara, meaning ignorance. The, the Buddha is clear and bright as a cloudless full moon night. It's the end of the poem. But isn't that a beautiful way to end it? Our minds become clear and bright as a cloudless full moon night. Pretty good deal, huh? <laughs> and all we got to do is practice this simple and easy Dhamma. This is when everybody says, ah, it's not easy. And it's not at times. But it, it, we can remember that the, the Dhamma resolves itself in ease. 
in calm, in peace. And so we can start integrating it right now, whether we're actually feeling that right now, because we understand we've taken refuge. We've actually, every I mean, I'm just talking to the two of you now, but I've seen this throughout our classes, but you've both experienced the common peace that's described here. You've, you've experienced a well-integrated Dhamma class. You've experienced that cloudless night, haven't you? And again, would you say you haven't? Would either one of you say, yeah. And, and so the Dhamma practice is simply then just a, a matter of recognizing that and then recognizing when it's not. What is to be is what is here. In my mind, if what I want to be here is Dhamma practice in this moment, a well-integrated Dhamma practice, and I find, like Bahia and others have found, that in this moment my mind isn't well-concentrated and peaceful, what do I do? That's an immediate reminder from Damika to be very gentle with ourselves because that is the way that I can carry that into the next moment. I can establish the lack of eye-making in this moment through one breath rooted in understanding and carry that into the next. And what happens if I can't do that? If in this moment I'm breathing my head off and I can't seem to get back in the moment, I can slow down my breath and I can remember what Damika taught, what Siddhartha taught, what that crazy bald-headed guy in Frenchtown taught, or Upper Black Eddie in this case. And I can remind myself that I personally took refuge in an awakened human being. I'm practicing his dhamma, and I am part, I am so fortunate to be a part of a well-informed and well-focused sangha. So we have everything we need to do what Damika pointed out and what the Buddha teaches. It really is just a matter of continuing to practice this in just this manner. So... Uh, Dominic, you were first on the scene, but ladies first. Laura, what do you have to say for yourself? Well, when I saw the uh, topic of today's Dhamma class, I, I really wanted to prioritize and uh, this and attend this afternoon because um, I guess lately I've been having uh, a lot of issues with fear over certain things and um, actually, in particularly some health issues, but I realize now after, you know, reading through it and, and meditating and um, hearing oh, what you were talking about, John, the, the pure protection, it's not like you're seeking some physical protection, like, you know, through, through an external object, like a you know, staying at home or seeking seclusion in other ways, but really it's um, more of protection from, through through meditation, more protection from falling into like a deluded state of mind or, yes. or a wrong concentration. You know, we always talk about Dhamma practice bringing right mindfulness, right concentration, and fear and deluded thinking tends to bring about, you know, it doesn't shelter you from that wrong concentrations and it overcomes you. Um, you know, these hindrances that we've talked about before. Yep. 
and then we've and then but this one i guess is specifically about like that pure protection so i was thinking about purity um and then the difference between that and you know like sometimes when i'm upset about something i fall into a habit of seeking pleasure through distraction like i don't know like looking at clothes or whatever on the internet or like fashion or whatever some stupid thing um which is embarrassing but you know falling into those kind of distracting habits to like make me feel better temporarily but then or some other diluted thing rather than you know the purity is it comes in your mind in a well-focused mind and the shelter is right there it's not through an external object that's you know and then you realize like what was said in the poem what is to be is what is here yep and so can i just make one comment um will you well, actually it's a request will you please not characterize your um internet surfing for a new wardrobe as stupid and just okay. characterize it as what is to be is what is here and recognize that it's behavior that maybe you might recognize as unskillful but it is in no way stupid it's just yeah. what you're doing and if so if you find it if you judge it as stupid you're always going to keep coming back to stupid but if you That's just judge true. it as what you're doing, and maybe I don't want to do it in the future, okay. So you take a breath, and maybe you won't. And if you find yourself tomorrow or next week looking at a new wardrobe, then you won't say, "Oh, how stupid," or "How etc." Yeah. And it will just be that present moment, because it isn't. It is really. It can only be stupid if you're taking it personally, can you? Even if somebody else says, "Oh, you waste so much time <laughs> shopping." That's that's yeah, all just part of the world, all of it. Even if it's true, it's still part of worldly conditions. And so we extricate ourselves just this way. So you yeah. started with pure protection. It's certainly it's not, pure protection isn't, uh, I'm not establishing protection from a falling safe or <laughs> something. Uh, yeah. But it's, what I'm gaining is I'm, I'm protecting my mind to remain pure. So it's what we can actually control. I can't really control a safe falling on my head, but I can control <laughs> each and every one of my thoughts. But there's That's also true. something that a mind that is well-concentrated and well-focused just might catch that safe falling before it hits because you're present for it. You won't be distracted by something else. And yeah. And if not, you'll be... In a, and if not... <laughs> And you end up very flat under a heavy safe, at least you became rightly self-awakened before it hit you, just like the Hia did. So. Yeah, I love I love how you bring like humorous examples into it. It's great. Well, yeah, the, you what realize would, your mind is like it's when your mind is not tranquil, it's not still. But when you when you take a breath and then you become still, then you can I can observe myself. Oh, is what I'm doing right now really, you know, is that helping me? Is that leading to refined mindfulness? Or is it just, you know, fueling my desire to, you know, be someone that I'm not or, you know, just take me away from, you know, an uncomfortable, you know, issue, like a health issue or something else I'm dealing with? Yeah. Well, and even there, the, the, the Buddha taught us how to resolve that issue, isn't it? That 
every everybody uh, suffering isn't fair. It's 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 a personal experience for each and every one of us, and we don't take it personal. So, yeah. the, the first thing the Buddha taught is related to health issues, isn't it? He said, "There's going to be sickness. Don't take it personal." But he also didn't take tell us to ignore the sickness. That's an aspect of ignorance of four noble truths. We do what we can. The, the Buddha also taught every human being needs four things: food, clothing, shelter, and medicine. Mm-hmm. So when we need our medicine, we take our medicine, whether it's you yeah. know, uh, metaphorically taking our medicine, you know, taking our licks in life without taking the, mm-hmm. taking that person, or literally when we need to take some uh, some medicine, so that we, you might say, so that we can con- continue to live for the purpose of awakening. And there's no eye making in that, you know. Right. Yeah. I thank you, Laura. I got to. What Mateo? It's so good to see you. Did you get a chance to read uh, today's little poem? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because I, I was going to say I'll, I'll read it again quickly, but you've but you've read it. Yeah, as I said the other week, I like I I got the book with all poems of the the nuns and the monks, so it's very good. I will shut up now. <laughs> well, you don't have to shut up. Uh, let me let me talk to Demiko, and we'll come back to you. I uh, said, so Demiko. I, I made a joke with Dominic when I first came on. I said I'm going to call you Demiko <laughs> instead of Dominic, and I did. So Demiko, what do you got to say for yourself? Yeah, <laughs> I shouldn't take this personally, right? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know, John. Most of the time, these poems, you know, fill me with optimism, and because they're simple and happy. But this one made me. Matt, my heart is racing, and I'm. I I think it's better that I shut up now because I might say something that I'll regret. Uh, Dominic, really, you can say anything you want. You could, you could, you could even use f words if you needed to right now. This is our this is our song. If it's inappropriate, I'll tell you stop. Yeah, I know, but I don't know. I don't know what I think. This sentence: "What is to be is what is here is." Bullshit. <laughs> Again, you that you're free to to say anything you want here, Dominic. And yeah. so, in this moment, that is bullshit to you. It doesn't it doesn't have any skillful meaning. And tomorrow, <laughs> Bodie, will you stop today? Come here, come here, Bodie. Don't you learn what is to be is what is here? Stop it. Uh, it, I wouldn't be much of a. Dhamma teacher that teaches not to take things personal. If I said you can't think that way, because that would be me telling you to take it personal, wouldn't it? This is how you're you're thinking. This is what is to be is what is here. This is it. This is Dominic right now. So, and so, if in this particular moment I am suffering <laughs> abuse, let's say physical and mental, I should just say oh, no. What can you do about it, though? Is it is it physical abuse that you can do something about it? In other words, if someone is physically abusing you, the Buddha doesn't say take it. He tells you to recognize it and move. If you can. I mean, again, the, the Dhamma doesn't teach us to... <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> to accept anything that might be hurtful to us. That's not Dhamma. The, the, the Buddha taught the antidote to the need to be a martyr you know that and that's all rooted in the, the asceticism that the buddha recognized as painful and ignoble and put it behind him 
he practice it. So we're not here to to suffer gladly. We're here to understand the nature of suffering so that we don't react to it. But that doesn't mean we're free of it. Just like Laura was saying. You know, the Buddha didn't say that take to the Dhamma and you're going to live forever and you'll never have a sniffle. He said, wake up to the fact that you have a human body and inherent in that there are moments of stress and suffering. But if we can understand that, we can stop being preoccupied and preoccupied by it and distracted towards more of it and see what I refer to as the 99%, not the 1%, of everything else that's occurring right here. And no matter what the quality of our mind is, even if it's moment by moment chaos, moment by moment stress, moment by moment suffering, it's only because of that view that that's occurring. Because what's occurring simultaneously to that 1% view is the rest of that 99% life. So even right now, Dominic, there's that 99% of your life that you're not aware of that is there, whether you are or not, that as you continue to deepen the Dhamma and are more and more able to be present for life as life occurs, you'll see it. But it literally is that way. You're the, another way that, the, the, that I teach it and the Buddha teaches ending ignorance is ending the veil of ignorance. In other words, it is that veil of ignorance that keeps us from seeing the 99 and only kind of stuck in the one. And the one is... is hurtful. It, it's, a, it's a painful experience. But you've also experienced moments, if not large periods of time, when that wasn't the case. Correct? Yeah. And so that's not false hope that we're talking about. It's, it's, it would be false hope for me to say, see? But it's not false hope because you know it to be true. You've had the experience of it. So the only thing that I am hoping to get across to you as the world's greatest meditation teacher is really just what I said. See, you're doing it, Dominic. You're having the experience. But Dhamma practice isn't meant to be, and I know you don't think this, it's not meant to be always wonderful or always blissful because that's then, it's, then it is a salvation practice, isn't it? But it's meant to, to bring us right here, right now, in this present moment, what is to be is what is here. So what is here is your present quality of your mind, which is known as the fourth foundation of mindfulness. In this moment, that fourth foundation for you is unpleasant. But you also know that that this moment holds a potential for a moment to not be so, to be rooted in common, common peace. And that's simply ongoing Dharma practice. Let me say something else here, Dominic, and I think it's important because it, it, is, it is unwise and unskillful for me or anyone else to insist or even imply insisting that you should do something that you simply don't want to do. So if you tell me right here, right now, that you've gone as far as you want, I would say to you, thank you for joining us and please let's stay in touch. I hope you don't say that because I've seen great understanding within you. But I'm just, I'm just saying that so that you understand this. This is, this, what is to be is what is here, my friend. And this happens to be Dominic in this moment. It's a Dominic that even Laura's 
in agreement, and I think Mateo is in agreement, that you continue to join us. And, and John, it, we've talked, this is great what Dominic is bringing up, because it's confused the hell out of me, too. <laughs> like, it, But I think we've, what we're talking about, too, if I'm not mistaken, is when we've talked about, like, radical acceptance, you know, what is here, or what is to be is um, what is here, but it's not, it doesn't mean that, or equate to agreement with what is like necessarily happening if someone is if you're experiencing domestic violence or some other yes horrific thing the the heightened awareness and concentration that we develop through jhana and meditation is going to help us get out of like a you know maybe reach out for help or oh know. yeah the, we learned the difference between acceptance and approval. So in this moment, yeah. I'm getting, uh, it's interesting that Johnny Depp trial, I heard that it was, it came out in his favor, meaning oh, it, it yeah. made a statement for for male abuse, which is probably a good thing. I did Not to get into the politics of that, but the point is that if I find myself being physically abused, it, the downward for one thing, it doesn't say that I should take it because, oh, I'm, I'm above all that. It teaches us to recognize this is not what I deserve. And from a well-concentrated mind, now framed by the Eightfold Path, you're more likely to be able to extricate yourself from that in a, in a, in a direct way. Because you won't be taking, for one thing, you won't be rooted in the self-loathing. And this really more, probably more applies to women than men, especially those that have been in, in abusive relationships. They, they blame themselves often that if they were different or, you know, from a woman, it might be if I was just prettier, or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. When the concentration and mindfulness will allow you to see yourself clearly and recognize, no, it's not me, it's it's that other person. And so get yourself out of it. Um, and ultimately, the pure protection that we're talking about and that, um, that Laura brought up is protecting ourselves from ourselves, from hurtful judgments of ourselves from not being gentle with ourselves in this moment or even from thinking that that I can understand that the Buddha awakened and he left his Dhamma and there's all these great people in the Sangha but it just won't work for me what is that rooted in? anybody? self-centeredness <laughs> please say it. of course it's rooted in self-centeredness which is what the whole Dhamma is there to help us resolve. But that doesn't mean that when you're in something like Dominic is in, that you, that it's even easy to believe me or, or the Dhamma. It's hard. You know, this, this, is where the, this is where right effort comes in. And as I said, Dominic, if, if, you, if you say it's been nice, it, I would say it really has been nice, my friend. But don't say it. <laughs> Yeah. You'll make an old I, man cry. <laughs> yeah, this is, I mean, it's so helpful, John, what we, like, having these discussions, too, because in, you know, when I was telling you about how I went to other, you know, uh, meditation kind of retreats, um, it was kind of portrayed as, like, oh, I should be happy all the time, or, you know, or while I'm meditating, or, you know, that it's it's some sort of salvific thing but really when it's it's really just an investigation like into your mind of okay what you know 
how are all these fabrications like within me affecting me or affecting others and you know how can we kind of purify that and like kind of gradually like you know abandon those fabrications yeah, and it, and it's okay if we don't get it after fifteen classes or a hundred classes. It it really yeah. doesn't. It, 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 this is really a true experience of the journey is the most important thing, provided that we stay on it. But we we can stay on it in a very graceful way because we're given the path to stay on it. We just got to keep practicing it. And Dominic, I will point out the the great benefit that you brought to our sangha today, and you did because you understand the Dhamma well enough to couch your um, the quality of your mind in the right terms so we can all understand what you're saying. So again, thank you. Uh, Mateo, I'm glad you joined us today. Yeah. Um, I don't know, I can make some comment upon of, of these. I think, uh, yeah, one thing, the usual stuff, you know, it's like a lot of people, they get confused with the acceptance and approval and Unfortunately, it's not like that. You know, I live in a country where they use a lot of these, you know, very posh English. They always say, like, it's unacceptable. This is unacceptable. But then they say, it's unacceptable from, from, for who? It's yeah. unacceptable. It doesn't make any sense. So that's like, it, it became quite quite normal for me to think about this expression about acceptance. Yeah. Other stuff, I think, like, I understand the point of view of Dominic. I really understand that. I think, uh, especially in the West, maybe I'm wrong, I think Buddhist, it does work, the Dharma does work, but you need to make an effort, I mean, you need to be on a certain stage, what I want to say is like, the Buddhism is for everybody but it's not for everybody in the same time so I mean, yeah. like if you as, as Buddha say, you know, if you, you need like a medicine, shelter and all that, but if you don't have that, probably it will be quite hard to really practice the Dharma, follow the Dharma. I think, like, if you don't fulfill your basic needs first, because, you know, as you know, I jump from one tradition to another, then I give up there, but I, I never met, like, a poor guy in these places doing, doing the Dharma, because, like, of course, like, he, I, I don't know how to explain or to describe. I think, like, if you don't sort out some stuff in your life, probably you don't see you don't see beneficial in a, in a short term at least. Well, yeah, the, the 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 Buddha, one of the first things he ever uttered, you know, you could say taught, was that his dhamma is for those with a speck of dust in their eyes, meaning that it, it, yeah. it it's not for everyone. It's for uh, I don't like to use use the term this way, but for a very select few. Not that it's it's elitist in any way, but it's an acknowledgement that. Um, there's not. It, it's not that the Dhamma is difficult. I don't really don't believe it is, and I you know, I've been teaching it long enough. I think that's a qualified statement. But I do know it takes a lot of concerted effort. It needs continued right effort. But even that is well described. Um, but it's for people that really want to have a certain experience in this life, and for many people, the resolution of the Dhamma in a common peaceful mind is simply not enough. They would. They want. They don't. They, they, they can't imagine that that's really the, the secret to happiness is calm because most people's idea of happiness is constant 
acquisition and constant achievement by doing something. Where the, where the Buddha teaches what is to be is what is here, meaning this is it. Also, like they simply use a, a meditation as a, as a relaxation. Oh, yeah. No? Yeah, that meditation alone. I mean, that's really what the whole insight practice is about, is this meditation is, is all that we do. And that's great. Again, I, I, you know, I, I think back to Uba Kim. I don't know if you remember the reference. He was a, you know, this, this guy, he made a living out of just meditating and arguably had more of an influence on meditation within India than Siddhartha himself did because he got more people meditating than anybody has ever done from then until now. And, um, but that doesn't mean that it's better. It just means that it's, he taught something different that the masses loved, that unfortunately has been um, given the the the, uh, uh, the fidelity of a Dhamma teaching when it's not. But that again, that's okay. It didn't. I came across it and realized, well, this isn't for me. So, you know, it, it didn't it didn't imprison me, if you will. But I realized it's not this. This is not what I'm after. This it didn't bring me the measure of calm that I was looking for. But I, I went to, um, I think, five um, insight retreats and probably five or six Zen Sashins, which are very similar, which are just long one day after another of quiet meditation for around 14 hours a day. And it was just brutal, and I never got anything out of it. And I, again, I'll qualify. Other people said they did. Most of the people that were willing to talk after the, the, the silence was broken agreed with me that they, they didn't understand what they were doing there for seven or ten days. And again, I'm not putting down the practice, but it wasn't until I actually practiced this practice that I was able to gain anything that I would say was of value and certainly anything that I could teach that made sense enough to teach. But as Matteo just said, it's not for everyone. If everyone that came to me and said they were excited about the Dhamma You've heard me say it. I would be teaching in Madison Square Garden right now. And that's, real, and that's probably not, I was going to say, literally true. I, don't, I, haven't, I haven't taught 18,000 people, but I bet you it would be, the truthful answer to that would probably be something like, I don't know, five or 6,000 people at a class. You know, and, and you, you know, there's, there's four wonderful folks at this class, and this is more than enough for me. I was telling David for... Um, a while, I, I started teaching a Thursday night class for a reason, when I was only teaching Tuesday and Saturday. And at first, that, that particular Thursday night sangha, if you will, was, it got pretty big. I got to around 10 or 11 people, uh, curiosity seekers. And gradually, it dwindled down to one. But that one happened to be Dr. Kevin, who I think you've all met. And there was about, there might have been three or four months, i got to ask him, where almost every class, it was just me and him. And almost every class, he said, John, don't keep coming just for me. You know, I don't, you know, he, and he, he, that was the only class that he could attend. He was a doctor and he couldn't get any t- other time off. But those were some of the best classes I ever had. And he would say the same thing. And uh, actually, Laura mentioned you, you listen to some of those classes. That they're just, again, it has nothing to do with it. Well, okay, let's have these classes with just one person. But it has nothing to do with it. It's not, it's not a numbers game. It's not anything. Are you developing benefit from this? And Dominic, I would say you are, whether you realize it or not. It's up to you to decide. 
And it's up for all of us to decide. No? But I couldn't imagine doing anything other than this now. You know, and I spent a lifetime seeking answers. I John, found off, it. Off topic, where is Tom? Where is that? Tom is in Singapore um, for, I think, another week or 10 days. So it's just a different time zone. Ah, yeah, yeah. So he intends to come back to Thursdays when he gets back to, excuse me, to Brighton. Gotcha. And I met someone, um, really interesting guy. His name is Lewis. He's from Brighton, where where Tom lives. And uh, I don't know if he's going to join an eventual Brighton song, but he has a lot of interest in it. And he's a very interesting person to me because he describes a profound level of understanding without really having a, a, a Dhamma practice that I would describe. He's come to some really interesting conclusions. Um, and we, again, we talked for about two hours the other day. But, I, but he, would, he agreed that if he had, had the Dhamma at one point, it probably would have been a lot easier. But he's really interesting, and I'm, I think you'll, you'll all meet him someday. Um, I think that's it. Any other questions or comments? No? Okay, we'll finish with Meta as we always do. John, I'm sorry, but I, I have to go. I'm just too upset, okay? Stay, please stay in touch, Dominic. And if you ever want to talk, you know I'm always available. Yeah. Hi, Dominic. Yeah, poor Dominic. He really struggles sometimes. All right, we'll finish with Meta as we always do. So the Buddha's words on metta from the Karaniya Metta Sutta. So again, take a moment to become mindful of your in-breath and your out-breath and let that mindfulness of your breath unite your mind and your body. The Buddha's words. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. May all beings be at ease, whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, May all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings. Radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Thank you all for a wonderful class today. Peace. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.